Let's turn our attention to the Word of God this morning. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 20 and in Deuteronomy 5, as well as a number of other places. We're continuing our study uh, on the Ten Commandments, Ten Commandments in the Gospel. And I wanted to ask you a question rhetorically. Uh, We have have the title, Ten Commandments, Law, and the Gospel. And, And do you see those two things opposed to one another? Do you see law and gospel in contradiction? Do you see it maybe as a tension? Or do you see law and gospel working together? Well, one thing I can say about law and gospel is that there can be no grace without law. In other words, I can't be gracious to you until you screw up, right? Until you've, you've, you've failed in some way. And, 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 and that means there has to be a standard. There has to be a law. There is no grace without law. But I would also say grace is a greater purpose than simply getting you off the hook of damnation, which is awesome in and of itself. But grace has a higher goal to turn you into, transform you into a righteous man, a righteous woman. That is the goal of salvation. That's what I pray with my kids every night. Lord, work in the heart of this child to grow them into a godly man, godly woman, bold and loving people, courageous in doing right. Righteousness. In other words, the gospel creates someone who embodies law. We're looking at the Ten Commandments. We're looking at how the gospel turns us into people who embody the Ten Commandments. And this morning, we're looking at the Fourth Commandment. And uh, anybody know what that's about? I mean, we read it earlier, so if you don't, then I don't don't know what's wrong. But what's it about? Fourth Command? Sabbath. Sabbath. And what does Sabbath mean? Rest. Rest. Now, I said that law was about embodying righteousness. What, is, what does rest have to do with righteousness? I mean, righteousness is about activity, not inactivity. But I would say that rest is actually at the very heart of our righteousness because it is the very heart of our trust relationship with God. Can you trust God enough to care for you so you can rest? Or do you not trust him enough and you got to keep it all in your hands seven days a week? Let's look at what the Lord says about rest. And we're going to read two passages that are very similar, but they're different in, in one significant way. And I want, you, I want you to listen for that difference. Exodus chapter 20, beginning in verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Deuteronomy chapter 5 beginning in verse 12. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy, as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well. Very familiar? Until here, verse 15, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God 
brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Would you pray with me? Father, we come to you now. We do ask that your spirit would be at work, even as you have inhabited our praise and moved us to worship you in spirit and truth. We pray that you would continue to be with us as we look at your word. Would your spirit soften our hearts to receive the message you have about rest, about your love, and the implications of that for us. Father, would you work in us in a way that we would be equipped to leave this place to do as you have commanded us, to live as you have instructed us, to be more like Jesus than when we came. We ask it in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. God made us for work. And there's seven days in the week. He says six of it you're supposed to be working. He made us for work, but he also told us to rest. So I have a question for you. How easy is that for you? I mean, really, to rest regularly. Um, It's hard. It's hard, particularly for ambitious and career-minded people, to relax. I read this article in Forbes magazine recently. It was written by an entrepreneur who's also an Orthodox Jew. His name is uh, Zalmi Dutchman. This is what he wrote. When I launched my company, The Fresh Diet, in 2005, I had, a very, I had a unique problem to solve. My business required my attention seven days a week, but my religion required me to take rest. A little bit later, he writes, resting wasn't easy. My business was moving 24 hours, seven days a week, but I was forced to shut off. I wanted to enjoy the 24 hours of peace, quiet, and time with my family. But for someone addicted to his startup and his technological connections to the world, this was extremely difficult. Anyone here resonate with that? Okay, you all need to be raising your hands. I know you all resonate with that. And although I had been observing Shabbos, or Sabbath, for the previous 25 years of my life, I had no experience doing it while building a company. Not being able to know everything that was happening with my company at any moment caused anxiety and prevented me from enjoying what I had. Rest is hard for us. We struggle with rest. We struggle with even knowing how to rest. There are projects that are incomplete. There are, there are deadlines looming. People need to be managed. Bills need to be paid. Maybe some of you have that bumper sticker on your car. I owe, I owe, it's off to work I go. And even beyond vocation, how we pay the bills, we ask ourselves, am I doing enough in my community as a member of my community? Am I doing enough as a member of the church? Are my kids missing out? You know, there's so much stuff that goes on, particularly on the weekends. And so we have this tendency to overprogram ourselves and overprogram our families. How many of you, in your work situation, your boss said, you need to, it's a paid day, but you need to take a day off. You need some rest. And you were mad about it. You're like, man, okay, I got a day off, but I still got as much work to do as I had before. Just less days to do it. How many of us squirm when we hear this command, rest one day a week? Here's the idea for this morning. God loves you. That by itself is kind of hard for us to accept, really. God loves you. 
He loves you as creator. He loves you as redeemer. Can you learn to rest in his care? Can you set aside one day a week to prove that he knows what's best for you? We just sang about that. That he does know what's best for us and that he intends to bless us, not harm us by telling us to rest. Now, this is a hard subject um, because whenever we bring up Sabbath in, in the modern church, th- there are so many different perspectives, so many questions. Well, if Sabbath was for the last day of the week, why do we worship on Sunday and not Saturday? Uh, is the Lord's Day, the, the way the scriptures refer to Sunday, is that the same as Sabbath? Do we keep it differently? Wasn't Sabbath abolished by the Apostle Paul? Those of you who are Bible scholars out there know that Paul said in Colossians 2 that let no one judge you about how you keep a Sabbath day. So didn't Paul abolish it? There's lots of questions about it. And, and then there's some of you out there kind of like, you know, I'm completely unaware of that conversation. You know, I'm just happy to kind of go along with the flow. I frankly, you know, I don't really care. But we need to focus on this because if I can be frank about it, this is the most neglected command. Do not murder. I mean, I would would venture to guess that most of us here haven't actually murdered somebody. But how many of us here don't really rest regularly? Because it's the most neglected command, it might be among the most crucial points of discipleship for us. Let me just say a few things about the practice of Sunday worship. Before I get into the principle of rest, there are these questions about, well, Sabbath was on Saturday. Why why do we worship on Sunday? First, Old Testament believers and first century Jews connected worship, synagogue observance of worship, with Sabbath, which was the last day of the week. So, So celebration of the Lord and honoring him by keeping the Sabbath, those two things were were connected. Jesus was resurrected on a a Sunday, the first day of the week. And the New Testament scriptures often refer to Sunday as the Lord's Day. Uh, uh, Revelation chapter 1, verse 10, John on the island of Patmos says, you know, on the Lord's Day, I was in the Spirit. He's talking about Sunday. Uh, The scriptures reference the disciples gathering regularly on Sunday. Acts chapter 20, verse 7 says, on the first day of the week, we gathered together to break bread. Some would say, well, they see, they're, they're celebrating the Lord's Supper. Some would say, well, no, they're just having dinner together. Whatever the case is, we see it reg- often in Acts that the disciples are gathering together on the first day of the week. And it's clear that first century Christians gathered on Sunday, it's certain that they did this, uh, to celebrate the resurrection. That was the day they worshiped Jesus. And because of the strong connection of worship and rest, Sunday became the Christian Sabbath. Now, you might not agree with that reasoning, and we can talk about that afterwards, but, I'll, but at least we can agree to this, that rest is woven into the creation order, and Sabbath is still connected with redemption, because that, that, that's what God is, is working towards. His labors mean that we don't have to. Okay, so we can rest spiritually. And, and Hebrews makes that great connection. There's a principle of rest that is for our good and serves as the highest realization of Christ's work, his life, death, and resurrection. Okay, so rest is a principle we need to observe The question remains, how do we keep a day of rest holy? 
And by holy, I mean distinct, separate, set apart for the purposes of rest. Let's take a closer look at the design of the Sabbath. And we see very quickly that Sabbath is about rest. In Exodus 20, again, uh, he, he gives the command and, and he gives the reason for it in verse 11. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. It's part of the creation order. Now, I will say this. Um, how God measured a day before he actually created the sun uh, is, a, is a bit of a question. The whole mechanics of the creation itself uh, is an interesting question, but it's a question for another day. So I'm going to set that aside. And we're simply going to say God presents himself as a worker, as a craftsman. And he's working. And he has a work week, just like we do. And he works six days, and then on the seventh he rested. We're made in God's image. We should pattern ourselves after him. If God rested, so should we. If the one who designed us, who made us after his image, took rest, it follows that not only do we honor God by resting, but we're, but, but we're doing something good for ourselves. Jesus even tells us, tells the first century Jews who, who had gotten a little bit legalistic about rest on the Sabbath day, that Sabbath was was made for the man. It was made for humanity. Mark chapter 2, verse 27, he said to them, Sabbath was made for the man, not man for the Sabbath. It's meant to be a time of rejuvenating. It's a blessing to us. Now, some might argue, look, there are some jobs that are just so responsible, so, so heavy in, in, in what they're taking on, that skipping rest is just part of the demanding nature of the, of the job. Some might even say, look, it's the Protestant work ethic. You've got to keep your nose to the grindstone. Um, that's, that's just the way, you know, we're, we're supposed to do it. God, God, God wants us to work. Yes, uh, God wants us to work. And yes, we can talk about the Protestant work, work ethic. But the Protestant work, work ethic was about doing everything to the glory of God. But we've uncoupled the work ethic from God. So now we don't work for the glory of God, we work for the glory of ourselves. Or maybe you don't think of it that way. You think, no, it's not about the glory of me, but, but if I don't do it, no one else will. Which still is another form of idolatry. I make things happen, not God. Again, uh, from the article in Forbes magazine, Dutchman talks about a uh, prominent plastic surgeon in Miami, Dr. Michael Salzhauer, who's a bit of a celebrity in his own right, and his observance of the Sabbath. This is what uh, Dutchman wrote. A self-confessed workaholic, Dr. Salzhauer, told me that if it weren't for Shabbos, or Sabbath, he would have no life and probably no marriage. The fact that his commitment to Judaism forces him to disconnect for 24 hours has kept him from burning out something he's seen happen to many of his colleagues. If he wasn't an Orthodox Jew, Michael told me, he wouldn't have the wisdom or self-discipline to take the much-needed time off. You know, work has a way of defining us, particularly men. Men, we let our work define who we are. And when, and when we lose a job or we're out of work, we... 
we, we're lost because we've let our labors define us. We're too wrapped up in our vocations. And when work defines us, it's become our God. Women aren't immune to it either, but it's just more prevalent among, among us knuckleheads. But I would say to women who are mothers, you need to rest too. And of course you're saying to me, you don't need to tell me that. I'm tired. God knows I'm tired. But too often, motherhood defines you in, in unhealthy ways. Who are you? We just sang about it before. Who are you? Remember the song? Who are you? You're loved by God. That's who you are. Motherhood is important. It's, it does shape some of who you are. But if, if it defines you completely... It's become your God. It's become an idol. And idols take and take and take and take. You've got to rest. Idols don't rejuvenate. God does. Take rest. Talk with your husbands about the necessary things and then let everything else go. You know, beds can be made tomorrow. They're going to be... They're going to need to be made tomorrow anyway. <laughs> the dishes can wait. The laundry can wait. And I know you're going to say this. Well, you're a guy. Of course you would say this. But I'm telling you, the world is not going to fall apart if your children wear once worn underwear. <laughs> it just won't. It's okay. Rest. We all need to rest. We think the world's going to come to end if we stop moving. It's not true. It's not true. And you need to discover that God is going to be faithful to you. He cares for you. He really does. Undoubtedly, there's going to be a thousand questions about the do's and don'ts. What about this? What about that? What about doctors and fire, firemen and, and policemen? Yes, there are jobs that require work on Sunday emergencies. Yes, I get it. But if we get focused on the do's and don'ts and make sure we observe it exactly the right way, we're missing it. We're turning Sabbath. Yes, it's a law in one sense. It's obligation. But primarily, it's not obligation. It's blessing. Requires some discipline. Requires some thought. Maybe even some creativity. But the Lord made, made it for you to be rejuvenated. And so rest can mean lots of different things. It can mean simply ceasing from your labors. It can mean sleep. Doing something else that's rejuvenating. Talk, if you look at the creation account of what the Lord did at creation, he, he basically takes in his handiwork. He, he's all through the week saying, okay, we made this, and, and then he calls it what? He says it's good. And he does something else, and then he calls it good. And then the last day, he steps back from the whole thing, and he says it's very good. Strinking it in, finding satisfaction in his labor, celebrating it. By saying it's very good. So we should do the same. We should do the best to arrange our Sundays for resting in the goodness of God. What does that mean? I, I, it means lots of different things. It could mean taking a walk with your spouse. An iced tea in a rocking chair on the front porch on a day when it's not as hot as it was yesterday. 
talking and laughing with an old friend, a snooze in the hammock, taking in a sunset, reflecting on the goodness of God and his creation because it's all very good. Keep Sabbath holy by setting it aside for rest. God's good to us. And beyond that, God isn't just good to you. He wants to be good to the person sitting next to you. He wants to be good to all his people. See that they all rest. Not just the privileged, but everybody. That's why it says your manservant and your, and your, and your maidservant, they, they need to rest too. And so in a sense, Sabbath is a matter of justice. The prophet Isaiah talks about Fasting and Sabbath observance in, in, the, in this regard as it relates to, to those who, who work for others and speaks to those of us who manage people. Isaiah 58, beginning in verse 3. Behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure and oppress all your workers. Basically, basically he's saying there's religious observance going on, fasting, and, it, and it's connected to Sabbath. We see it a little bit later on in the passage. And, and, and you're taking your rest, but you're making them work, and you're oppressing them. Denying them uh, the rest that God commanded. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. The idea of a, of a taskmaster hitting his servant so that they do the job. It's injustice. Verse 6, is not, this, is not this the fast I choose? Isn't this what I want fasting to be about, Sabbath to be about? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke. Sabbath is about restoration and justice. And verse 13 starts talking about what if we start actually living this out. If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways, or seeking your own pleasure, or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord. If you cease from your labors, and saying, stop thinking that your life is found in, in, in greedy pursuits, and simply making more money and simply getting the job done, but actually rest and say God is good, then you really will be taking delight in God. And you'll stop being an idolater as it relates to your work and stop denying justice to the people who work for you. You need to take rest, but you need to give rest. Business owners, managers, supervisors, do you give rest? You just keep driving and driving. Driving, driving. You get to go on vacation and the golf trip, but your workers better keep working. Oh. God wants them to rest too. Fathers, make sure your wives can rest. Help arrange things so that they're not always taking care of the dinner and the laundry and the dishes and the vacuuming, or whatever it is. Can you give rest? Can you give rest? Mothers, can you receive rest? I get it. We're knuckleheads. We're not paying attention all the time. But sometimes we are. And we love you. Hey, let me do the dishes. How many times, I'm telling stories on my wife here. She's not in the room in the moment. 
Hey, let me help in the kitchen. Let me take care of that. Sure, okay, I'll let you do it. And then she's, and she doesn't move an inch. Trying to shoo her out sometimes is difficult. Don't be that way. Receive rest. Keep Sabbath rest holy. Set it apart. Set it apart for rest. That's what it's primarily about. But I would also say that rest is not, Sabbath is not about rest just in a, in a general sense. It's about resting in God. So it makes sense for Sabbath to be rooted not only in creation, but in recreation, in redemption. In other words, in salvation. That's exactly what we see in Deuteronomy with the repetition of the law. And that's the big difference. Yes, there's a repeat of the law, but the reason for it given is different. Verse 15 in chapter 5 of Deuteronomy, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep Sabbath day, uh, keep the Sabbath day. The day we remember the Lord's deliverance, that we worship him. In the Old Testament era, the deliverance from slavery in Egypt. Uh, in our day, the deliverance from the slavery of sin and death and the resurrection. It's the perfect day of Sabbath. A day of rest, but also a day of celebration of God's restoration. Now, Jesus was labeled a Sabbath breaker for healing on the Sabbath, but then he shot back to his critics and says, no, this is the perfect day for healing. This is the perfect day because this woman I'm healing is being released from her bondage. Luke 13, uh, in verse 15, the Lord answered him, you hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his, his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to water? And ought not this woman, the daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? As he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame, and all the people rejoiced at the glorious things that were done by him. The Sabbath is a day of rejoicing, of, the, of release from bondage. That's what Sabbath is about. So what better day to worship Jesus Christ? What better day to spend with God's people learning about redemption, enjoying the bonds of the Spirit shared between us because of that redemption? This celebration should be restorative, rejuvenating to us. And if worship isn't that for you, either we're doing something wrong and you need to find another place where you can be rejuvenated, or maybe your heart isn't ready to receive the rest. You need to do some internal work. I recall being a college student uh, when I was first challenged with this idea, not so much by someone saying, hey, you need to do this, but just because of a situation. I had been in a worship service. Some of my friends were there, and, and I was leaving quickly. I had, gotten, I had gotten my obligatory worship in, and now I was leaving to head back home. Some people from church stopped me quick and said, hey, we're having this dinner right after church. We'd love for you to join us. And I said, oh, I can't do it. Sunday's my get-it-done day. I had a paper, I had, you know, I had a bunch of projects, and Sunday was the day, man, that I hit it hard. And they said, well, we'll miss you, and we'll look for another opportunity. And I chuckled to myself, <laughs> yeah, not with my schedule, I got things to do. And as I was writing my paper later, in that, later that day, I was, I was uh, struck by what I was missing. If, if I didn't make time 
there wasn't going to be time. And if I didn't make time, I was always going to miss the opportunity. And so I resolved that night. Now, I will tell you, I went and finished my paper after I made this resolution. But I resolved that night, that next Sunday, I was going to start setting it aside for rest and for worship. And I've never regretted the decision. Now, don't hear me wrong. I have not kept it perfectly. And I'm not here to judge anybody. This is not me waving fingers at anybody. Colossians is very clear. Uh, Let no one judge you for how you keep a Sabbath. But I want to implore you to be mindful of the blessing that you have. I had checked off my worship box that day and then went and did my own pleasure. And it was killing me. And God held out something better for me. And as I, as I entered into it, I found it to be rejuvenating and restful. I found it to be a delight. So the question for you is, are you setting the day aside, setting uh, a day at least aside, apart for rest and for worship? Again, I'm not trying to get legalistic on you. And again, I know there's 10,000 questions. What about this? What about this? What? Let's have a conversation about it. I'd love to have a conversation with you. But the principle, rest and worship. And there are things that are going to crowd in. There, you know, there are lots of wonderful things to do that don't have to do with work. And whatever, for whatever reason, it seems like the weekend is the, is the, is the time to get them done. And, and, and we're forced to make hard choices about what we're going to do. And more and more, you know, parents of small kids, uh, sports, man, they really give us hard choices. My, my youngest son just got into hockey over this past year. Man, what an expensive sport to be involved with. <laughs> it was, practice was on Saturday. It was great. It was fine. And then they moved it to Sunday. And you feel like you're left with this choice of, well, what do I do? Do I love my child well or do I, do I love my God? What do I do here? And we need to be smart as parents. And it's not easy, and I don't have an easy answer for you, but I will say this, that we need to help our children distinguish between things that entertain them, things that go good in and of itself, maybe, you know, teach teamwork and all that, but things that entertain them between, from things that sustain them and give them life. Because if we don't, if we don't help them distinguish that, then what we're going to do is not raise worshipers of God. We're going to raise children who seek their own pleasure first and foremost, which means we're going to teach them to be idolaters. Don't hear me say that just because you went to hockey one Sunday morning, you're, that, that's not what I'm saying. Don't hear what I'm not saying. But we need to grab hold of this idea of rest for us, for our families. And it may be the most enduring testimony we leave our children. Well, how is that? Because it goes against the flow of our culture. And as such, it may be the most strategic thing we can do in our families. We honor God and we rest because we can trust him. We're not missing out by resting. Do we believe it? Now, I know there's many people in this room. They have, you have great responsibilities. You have influential positions. So this idea of 
a weekly day of rest is, it seems hard, maybe, if not impossible. And I'm not here to tell you that your salvation is dependent upon you obeying this in every way. That would be anti-gospel. But I will tell you that there's blessing in Sabbath. Discovering that the Lord really does know what's best for us. Discovering that the Lord is faithful to care for us. That we can say, God, it's not really in my hands, so I can trust you for one day to take care of things. And until we rest and celebrate him, we're going to continue to trust, not in him, but in who? Ourselves. Dutchman closes his article with a challenge to recognize the folly of that trust. This is what he says. My advice for all the entrepreneurs, and I would add all the businessmen, all, all the plumbers, all the carpenters, all the moms, all the dads. My advice for all of you out there is to set aside one day each week to take much needed time off. This may seem like a very tough task, especially for those just starting out. And you may feel like you can't afford it. Just know that you may think you are in charge of your life, but I can tell you, you are not. A higher being is. And that higher being is not unknown to us. And he loves you. He loves us. So I invite you into that love. I invite you into Sabbath. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your word and, and for your loving challenge to trust you, to trust you in very practical ways, to trust you uh, with our labors and therefore trust you in rest. And we pray, Lord, that your spirit would work in our hearts to make us mindful of our folly of trusting in our own wisdom and our own efforts. Yes, you've called us to work to be faithful that way, but Lord, you are the one who prospers us. Let us believe that and therefore rest for our good and your glory. We pray it in Jesus' name, amen.